Just a little beach vibe to soothe your day, courtesy of Girls on Film. Yes, we're still sitting beachside in Cancun. We've been here so long, we're a little worried we might not be allowed back across the border. Today, the girls get some critical info for all you internet content providers out there from intellectual property lawyer Tim Warnock, specifically about copyright infringement. So check it out. Wait. That's a Mellencamp song, so was that just copyright infringement? Anyway, the girls also get a little inside governmental scoop from State Senator Reginald Thomas from the great state of Kentucky. But first... This is Sarah, and I am at the North American Law Summit, and we've met some amazing people, and we are talking now to another outstanding attorney, uh, Mr. Tim Warnock, who is out of Nashville, Tennessee, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite cities ever. Beautiful, beautiful place. How long have you been in Nashville? Um, I was born there. I was raised there. I did my undergraduate work there. Forever. So except for three years in law school and three years of practice in Miami, Florida, I've been there the other 51. And, and you're there because it's so it's so awful. It's a wonderful it's, place to live and work. It's beautiful. I've driven there from Atlanta, and it's one of the prettiest drives I've ever been on. It, it's a pretty drive up and over Lookout Mountain. It is gorgeous. Beautiful lakes. People, if you if, if you haven't been through Tennessee, you're you're seriously missing out. Now, Tim, how many years have you been coming to the conference? I started in the middle nineties, uh, so 90s. I've been about twenty times. So you so you get something out of it. I sure do. This is probably the uh, best assembly of entertainment lawyers. Um, for a continuing education event anywhere in the country. Amazing. That's a huge compliment. We've got to make sure that Daryl and Scott, oh, there's Daryl, <laughs> that Daryl and Scott know that. Well, I, I, I try to tell them every year. And you have presented. I, I have presented. I presented uh, for several years now. I try to, uh, I try to choose a topic related to uh, copyright litigation. Um, this year it was persuasion theory and entertainment litigation. Uh, uh, I've talked about how to calculate damages in a copyright infringement case. I've talked about the use of expert witnesses in copyright infringement litigation. Um, I, I want to know if you could dive a little bit into uh, the persuasion aspect of this because we have so many young people that are online, that are creating content online, that are creating music, film, uh, short shorts, independent filmmakers, etc., and they they don't know very much about this. Uh, a lot of them cannot afford or do not have uh, attorneys. And if if you could just give them a little bit of a a picture, sure, Persu I would be per so grateful. Persuasion theory, Sarah, is the study of why we make the decisions that we do, and there are 
any number of authors who have written on the subject over the years. Um, you, you may have heard of concepts such as anchoring. When in negotiation uh, somebody makes a demand that's very high, it's human nature that the discussion will revolve around that demand even if it's unrealistically high right. because it's an anchor that was first made. Um, uh, we're particularly interested in persuasion theory in terms of uh, copyright infringement litigation. Okay. And if I may, I'd like to talk for a moment about yes. the, the elements of copyright infringement litigation. Please, please. For, for your listeners who are not lawyers and who have not had to hire a lawyer before, copyright infringement generally is the concept that one person has taken another person's original protected work. And in a copyright infringement case, the, the most recent uh, copyright infringement case that was high profile was the Katy Perry verdict. Right. Um, uh, another high profile case is the estate of Marvin Gaye against Pharrell Williams and right. uh, Robin Thicke. Um, copyright infringement essentially alleges you stole my song, right. at least in the music context. Um, there are ways to avoid copyright infringement litigation such as when you're being interviewed about your new song, uh, avoid talking about your inspiration. Because when you talk about your inspiration, you may unwittingly give somebody an idea that you have stolen from them. So interesting. Um, be careful in your co-write sessions because you want to make sure that when you come out of a co-write session, you know whether you've created anything. Okay. Uh, creativity is, is a very low bar in terms of uh, creating an original work of authorship. And uh, if... Um, if you don't have an agreement to the contrary, everyone's a co-owner and an equal percentage. So if you, when you come out of a co-write, if, if you have um, created something that you think is protectable, make sure that you uh, make sure that you've documented that with your co-writers. Okay. And particularly important um, when you're demoing a work or otherwise recording your new song or original work for authorship, or work of authorship, make sure that everybody who's in the room. Um, either uh, is a co-owner or you have uh, secured a written agreement that their contribution is a work made for hire. Um, uh, Interesting. No. Okay. So Take notes, folks. Please take these notes or just listen to the podcast ten times. <laughs> yeah, well, well and, and any one of these could be its own 25-minute segment. Um, right. But at a high level, copyright infringement litigation involves a plan of uh, proving ownership and copying. Ownership is easy to prove. And uh, most creators probably know how to register a copyright. Um, it's a statutory requirement in order to recover certain types of damages that the copyright be registered before the case is brought. Proving copying is a little more difficult because nobody, well, people rarely see other people copying their work. So uh, the principles of circumstantial evidence provide that a plaintiff can prove copying by proving two things. One is access to the work that's allegedly infringed. And the second is substantial similarity. And it may be easiest to explain those concepts by giving examples. So in a copyright infringement case uh, that, that we handled, the author who claimed that his work was infringed claimed that he had given a copy of his song to uh, a former Miss Texas uh, pageant winner and that she had taken the song to Nashville and given it to a record producer. And we, we took her deposition and she denied that she had done that. Okay. So the plaintiff changed his theory and he uh, now alleged that the, the pageant winner's mother had taken a copy of the song to Nashville and somehow injected it into the, the world of Music City USA, which uh, as you probably know is a pretty fanciful concept to right. begin with. Right. Uh, that things don't happen that way. Right. Uh, but there's a pretty low bar to being able to stay in federal court. 
and his theory eventually became that he had given the song to a hairdresser who worked in the pageant industry and that she had given it to a particular country music artist who had given it to a producer. Um, the problem with his theory is that the hairdresser had passed away before the lawsuit started, so wow. we, we had no way to prove or disprove. Right. It. But that's an example where a plaintiff was unable to prove access because there was no reasonable possibility that the plaintiff's work was put in front of anybody involved in the creative process uh, for the song that was the allegedly infringing song. Now another, um, another example of access involved a, a very well-respected, very successful songwriter who had been asked to participate in a songwriting uh, clinic. And in a songwriting clinic, typically the setup is uh, a famous or pretty famous songwriter will come into a group of people who are not yet famous songwriters and tell a story about his or her um, experience in songwriting and then listen to the participants work and comment on it and a, um, uh, a participant in one particular clinic later claimed that that songwriter had heard her work and then written a song based on her work that was infringing so in that case the access element was very easy to prove interesting interesting the second element of a copyright or of proving copying is substantial similarity and that means uh, different things depending on what part of the country you live in in um, California, uh, there's an extrinsic and an intrinsic test, one of which requires the use of expert witnesses. Expert witnesses are people who are uh, qualified by training, education, or experience to offer opinions, which most people, most lay people, are not allowed to do in a court of law. Um, the test is a little different in Tennessee, where I practice. Um, there's a filtering process where the court removes the, uh, the, the unprotectable elements of a song. Um, for instance, you can't protect a note. So if somebody said, well, you, makes sense. you played a G and that's right. copyright infringement, that's not protectable. Um, and once the, uh, once the unprotectable elements are removed, then uh, the protectable, protectable elements are compared to see whether there uh, is enough of the originality that has been taken uh, to be meaningful in the allegedly infringe, infringing work. Um, and you and I uh, probably would not be able to, to, to do that without some assistance. And so there is a category of expert witness called musicologist right. who, um, who frequently are involved in copyright infringement litigation. So in, in the, um, with the Marvin Gaye family, how did that, watch, you know, watching that as a, as a layman, I'm listening to one song, I'm listening to the other song. That's as far as I go. And I said, yeah, they sound a little bit, the style sounds a little similar. But you're saying it goes much, much, much deeper in a court of law. It does. There are a number of musical concepts, and there is a, a group of expert witnesses who uh, are typically university professors or former university professors who teach, publish, uh, in the area of music and actually, music theory, you know, music theory, yeah, and actually musicology is a thing. Okay. Um, if you were to go to the Blair School of Music at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, you would find a number of musicologists. And uh, and you're friends with a lot of these people. Yes. Good. Yeah. That's um, good. That's so interesting. Yeah, and uh, a, a good musicologist sometimes will tell you that your client is in the wrong, um, but that's okay. that's what you want. You want somebody who is reliable to his or her craft. Right. And won't waste waste your client's time, right? Or, or yours? Yes, right, right. 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 Um, and reasonable people can differ about whether something is uh, 
substantially similar or not. So, Absolutely. So uh, finding somebody who who disagrees with your position is not outcome determinative. Very well put. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me about um, a little bit of the work that you have going on right now in your practice. Well, we, we always seem to have some copyright infringement work going. And, okay. Um, most, of the, most of the cases that are brought, it would be hard to say that they're meritless, but they're brought by people who may not have the resources to have had a musicologist analyze a song. Yeah. A lot of them are brought uh, by plaintiffs directly who don't have lawyers. Um, so dealing with those kinds of uh, claims can be particularly difficult because courts are obligated to give the plaintiff um, uh, his or her day in court. Okay. And... Uh, that can be expensive for somebody who has been brought into a copyright infringement case. Interesting. So, so you have just published this paper, pers- persuading adversaries, mediators, and courts in entertainment-related disputes. Can you give me a high picture of, of what this paper is about? Sure. There, there are a number of um, authors who have written on this subject in the years over the years. Chris Voss just wrote a book, or just published a book within the past couple of years entitled Never Split the Difference, which is a fascinating read about how people make decisions. I believe that, uh, I believe he was the FBI's lead hostage negotiator, uh, but he, he certainly brings uh, a wealth of experience, and uh, for anybody who's interested in how people make decisions, I would say that is a must read. Um, there are other uh, people who are well regarded, uh, Malcolm Gladwell is probably somebody whose work you've read. Yep. Uh, Robert Cialdini, uh, Amos Tversky, Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Kahneman wrote a book uh, called Thinking Fast and Slow that's more about uh, the biochemistry, about how people make decisions. Right. Um, uh, but the, the, out of all of their work, there are certain... Um, uh, elements of decision making. For instance, uh, reciprocity is one of them. If, if I send you a holiday card, even if you don't know me, you are likely to go out and buy a holiday card to send back to me. Right. Um, if I send you a survey and uh, include a dollar uh, in, the, in the envelope, you're more likely to complete the survey than if I just send it to you and ask you. Um, so interesting. There's a principle of scarcity, which is uh, opportunities are more valuable when there are fewer of them. So uh, while supplies last is an example of uh, scarcity. Yep. Uh, social proof is, an, uh, is another heuristic, which is um, if you're laughing, then I should laugh too. So you may remember laugh tra- you may be familiar with laugh tracks yeah. and sitcoms. Yeah. They're there for a reason. Gotcha. Uh, so the, the, the paper introduces those concepts uh, to, the, to, the, to the readers of the paper. Uh, just to, to give them some uh, context on how people make decisions. I think that you're a really good lawyer. Well, thank you. And I think that delving into psychology, um, it's at this level where you're writing where you're writing white papers, is very impressive. Um, listening to you know our, our beloved Daryl Cohen talk about how. He doesn't like the courtroom to be packed full of people because it makes the judge behave differently. Um, things like that are, they're just things people don't, people who are not in the practice of law don't think about. Well, they're all factors, and you never know what's going to alienate somebody, whether it's too many pieces of paper on the desk in the courtroom or 
whether it's chewing gum or chomping on ice. There, you, you can never know the number of ways that you can alienate a juror or a judge. Right, right. So you have to try to think about everything. What is your favorite thing to do uh, in tr- the realm of law? <laughs> well, um, trials uh, are far and above the, the most fun for me. Uh, unfortunately, from a litigator's perspective, very, very few cases go to trial. Okay. I've seen I've seen statistics that 98 to 99 percent of cases settle or otherwise resolve before trial. I heard somebody today say 96 or 97 percent. It's a high number, though. Behind that, probably taking depositions, uh, which is a process by which uh, a witness who may have personal knowledge of facts that are relevant to any given dispute are put under oath and asked questions by a lawyer and the answers are recorded by a stenographer. Um, with with the advance of technology now video now uh, videotapes are used in depositions so interesting let me ask you in your opinion with new people graduating from law school all the time what does it take to be a good entertainment lawyer that's a really difficult question to answer Um, more often than not uh, careers find lawyers rather than lawyers finding careers. Okay. I talk to a lot of young people, a lot of law students. Right. Um, more often than not, the people who want to practice entertainment law say that they love music or that they play an instrument or that they've been involved in music all their life and they want to be entertainment lawyers, which is a wonderful goal. Right. Um, from a litigation perspective, though? Not it, applicable. Not, not applicable. Not right? applicable. The, the tools of my trade are rules of evidence, rules of civil procedure, uh, tools of persuasion. Right. Um, particularly in the federal court, uh, writing is very important. Right. So a lot of what we do is writing and editing uh, materials that will be supplied to the judge right. in order to make a decision. So communication, psychology, uh, et cetera. Right. Very good. Um, Tell me what you think one of the great takeaways has been for you from this conference. I don't want people to forget that we're at the North American Law Summit. Right. The the biggest takeaway for me is and remains for all the years that I've come here, um, building and nurturing the relationships with the other people who are here. Um, The first time I came to this conference... Hear that, folks. Don't forget. The first time I came to this conference, I didn't know anybody. The second time I came to the conference, I knew a few people, but I remember being in my hotel room. We uh, were at the Del Coronado. Del Coronado. No, we weren't. We were somewhere in California. Okay. And it was a hotel that was in uh, a a very nice climate so that you didn't need air conditioning. You could just open the windows. And I remember um, having made a a pass-through at the opening cocktail party and thinking, I don't know anybody here. And going back to my room and hearing the laughs and the, the clinking glasses and thinking, wow, I would really like to be a part of that. And within two or three years, I was a, a, a very active part of the conference. Right. I've uh, built lifelong friendships here. Um, I have, um, uh, as you know, I practice litigation in Nashville, Tennessee. There are people here from all over the world, literally. Yep. Uh, there's somebody here from China this year, I understand. Yep. Um, there are a lot of Atlanta lawyers, a lot of Floridians, a lot of... There's uh, some New Yorkers here, a lot, too. A lot of New Yorkers. <laughs> and uh, those are great sources of business. Absolutely. Anything you want people to know about you in parting, my dear? Um, I, uh, I have spent more than 30 years 
uh, in the law, and I uh, consider it an honor to have been permitted to do that. And for anybody who uh, wants to wants to be uh, a litigator or a lawyer, um, it's a lot of hard work, but it can be very, very rewarding. How do people find you? Um, uh, my last name is spelled W-A-R-N-O-C-K. My first name is Tim. And a Google search, uh, if you had the word lawyer, would probably take you right to our law firm's website. There you go. Mr. Warnock, thank you so much. You have a voice for radio. I'm going to recommend it to you in the future. Well, thank you very much. I mean it. You're amazing. Well, You're thanks. amazing. Thank and, you. and the descriptive, um, your descriptive analysis and the way you broke everything down, I think has been one of the best interviews we've had here. I so appreciate your time. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. We're Girls on Film, and we are out. Tennessee Whiskey I want you to repeat what you just said. I said I've done a lot of interviews, but but none with such beautiful scenery behind me. I'm looking at the palm trees, the Gulf of Mexico, white sandy beaches. I said, man, this is the way to do an interview, I'm going to tell you. Please tell our audience who you are. Oh, I, I'm State Senator Reginald Thomas uh, from the 13th District uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and I'm here um, at the uh, National uh, Entertainment Law Summit. Uh, in in beautiful uh, Cancun, Mexico. It is beautiful yes. here. Yeah, I haven't left the hotel. I mean, or the grounds, because I'm just like, you know, it really doesn't get much better it, than it, this. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, no. <laughs> and I find you very interesting because you are um, a state senator in the beautiful, beautiful state of Kentucky. It, it, it Kentucky is absolutely gorgeous. I mean. Not many states have the topography that Kentucky has, the, the, the majestic mountains on the east, uh, the, 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 the flatlands and the agricultural richness of the western Kentucky, the, the beautiful bluegrass, which I'm uh, proud of in my hometown of Lexington, right, just right. rich, beautiful uh, rolling hills beautiful. full of bluegrass and, and, yep. and, and, and horse farms. Yeah. And, and all that majesty, it's, it's just wonderful. The, the state of Kentucky is it's just wonderful. I think that, that people don't realize, people that haven't been uh, to your state don't realize how um, unique it is. Yes. And how interesting it is. It, it is. It yeah. Is. No, I'm, I'm, I was a, f a fan in my mind, and I told, like I told you yesterday, I, I drove through Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Twice recently. Well, you, well, you know, the, I'm going to tell you the next time you come, you got to stop and stay I'm a while. Stop. <laughs> you got to stop. You got to stop and, and, and start by staying in my hometown of Lexington. Of course, I'm I'm very biased. I love the entire state, but but I think there's no place like Lexington. There's no place like Lexington. There's no. I'm tapping my heels three times together. Lee and Dorothy. That's right. That's, that's right. Me and Dorothy. That's right. But you are also. A, an entertainment lawyer. Is well, it a sports lawyer? Well, Are you well, sports well, I, well, entertainment? I, do, well, I, 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 do, I mean, I've, I've done some sports law. I, I mostly do corporate business. And, and of course, sometimes that 
that that uh, uh, includes people who have entertainment sports issues. But I would say my bread and butter is as a lawyer is is corporate. I do a lot of business and corporate transactions. Gotcha. For the sake of our listeners who are listening to an entertainment uh, based podcast. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about what you've done in that realm? What kind of law you've practiced in that realm? Well, I've had the, the pleasure at least a couple of times to to represent some football players uh, in the NFL. Uh, I haven't done it a lot, but but I've I've represented them on on a on a, on a couple of, of uh, uh, transactions okay. and 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 con- contract work. Okay. So that that's what I've done in in my you know. As, as part of my past in the entertainment realm. Right. And do you think that that is a unique uh, experience? Oh, it is. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Of course, you know, there's a, there, there's, if you want to go into what was called sports agency, then, you know, you got to get approved by the NFL and you got to, you know, get background checks. I had no idea. Yes. Yes. All, 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 all sports agents have to be approved by the leagues. Oh, okay. M- M- MLB, NFL, NBA, those agencies have those agents have to be certified okay. and approved by the by the association. Understood, understood. Yeah. How did people find you for those jobs? Well, <laughs> word of mouth. Uh, probably word of mouth. I mean, you know, it, it, I've been in Lexington a lot, and of course, you know, we're very proud of UK basketball, UK sports in, in general, but particularly yes. UK basketball. <laughs> and so, you know. I, over the over the years, I've I've made numerous contacts with a, with, gotcha. a, with with a lot of uh, athletes who have had associations with UK and then you know go into professional leagues and so that's how I've gotten some of that work. It's it's not it's not a, a huge part of my practice. I want to be honest with you, but I have done that in the past. Work gotcha. work, work with these former athletes. Work, work with these athletes in the past. And you came to this conference. Well, I did. My wife. Uh, and I'm, 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 re- I'm recently remarried. Uh, my wife uh, owns the company that puts together this event. Right. Does all the travel, right. the, the hotel planning. Vim Global. Vim Global. Yes. Yeah, my wife's name is is, is, is Vila McClam Thomas. We just got married in, in June of this year. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. It, 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 it's um, it, it's it's wonderful being married again. I uh, was married before. I lost my wife to cancer four years Sorry. ago. I appreciate that. And and then Vila came in came back into my life uh we knew each other many years ago and then you know, had gone our separate ways and then just reconnected just a short time ago last year and you uh, guys are we uh, talked about this a little bit with her yesterday how how you guys are commuting from atlanta to lexington to lexington yeah. kentucky which we talked about the, our our lovely drive yes through yeah. through these beautiful states of georgia tennessee and, and kentucky I've, I've done that drive a lot but it's not a it's not a it's not a bad drive it's, it's only, a, only it's, it's only a five hour drive so yeah. it's, it's not onerous it's not long and, and it's not flat and boring no no it's not, not flat and boring either no, not no. at all oh, folks right. if you're gonna do it yeah. you better you know be awake so so we we've made it we've some made mountains it, right we've made some it, mountains going on right we've made it work and and uh it, 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 it's, it's 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 been good it's been good we're going on five months now it's been, it's been a been a, been a wonderful marriage. I'm so happy for you. Right. I did interview your wife yesterday. Yes, well, and well, she is a dynamo and just beautiful, <laughs> very very charming. Right. And I think that she's going to be a, a good asset in the po- political realm. I, I I think she'll be a good asset in the political realm and in in a, in a lot of different areas of my life. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, politics is something I'm, I'm not going to do forever. I enjoy it. Okay. Um, 
and uh, it, it, it's something that's so important to our state. As you, as you well know, we just had a had a major gubernatorial election. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You and, went from and, red and, to blue. Right, and, and, and fortunately for me, being a Democratic state senator, our governor uh, is Democratic, and so I'm very happy about that. Ooh, <laughs> me too. We're 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 a blue podcast. But 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 but, 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 <laughs> but we're not going to talk about politics. I, I do want to say something okay, about, enter- enter- about enter- 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 entertainment law. Okay. Um, I did present. Uh, again, this year, the, the last two years I presented. Last year, I spoke on what states are doing in terms of tax credits to to make themselves attractive to the entertainment Which is huge. And film industry. And, and it's what, huge. What Georgia has done, what Tennessee has done, what what Kentucky has done, um, uh, and so that was a very interesting uh, panel discussion last year. Uh, this year, we we talked about you know how attorneys and their clients should position themselves when being confronted by the media on on newsworthy events uh, and there were three oh, main, that's interesting and there were three main points that were made at that panel discussion I want to make to your audience here this morning um, number one uh, I think it's important for attorneys uh, and athletes and entertainers to <coughs> excuse me <coughs> to make friends with the media um, you should never see the media as an enemy that doesn't serve you any any good because they have more more print and paper than you do. They have more access to the airways than you do, and so they can make life miserable for you, miserable for you if you if they want. So it's important to make friends and and, and, and allies, you know, in the media, and and and, and get to know them, have them get to know you, uh, so that you can develop That's a good, good relationship advice. with them. That was that was point number one. Very good advice. Point point number two is. Uh, Make sure that you provide them with questions to ask you, just like you're doing a show today and, and, and you're providing information to your audience. That's what these, these networks, uh, uh, the podcast people like you're doing, people who do Facebook Live, whatever, right. they, they, they want information. They want, they, want, they want news that will make their audience uh, you know, want to come back and say, I like that show because it provides me news and information and education. Uh, so make sure that you give that the interviewer, the the news media questions that they can ask you, so they can provide a very thorough, very informative, uh, very educational uh, uh, interview right. you know, content. Right. Um, that's the second point, and and then the the third point is be sure to get your message across in a very short time. Uh, I, I know we're doing a a, a a podcast, and it's you know going to take you know uh, a, a, a few minutes, a few minutes yeah. anyway. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, people's attention span is very short. Uh, and you only have, I said, you only have, and psychologists have shown this, you only have like 15 to 20 seconds to, really get, your, to get your point across. Tops. And so you've got to get your point across right away. Yep. Right? Yep. And so those are, those are the three points. One, make friends with the media. Be sure to give media good questions to ask. And, and three, you know, get your message out in a very short period of time. Gotcha. So that's, that's what we talked about yesterday okay. in the panel that, that we had talking about about messaging and information and information and how to to deal with the media. Uh, I think that's and, such good advice. Right. It's really good advice, right. especially for you coming um, coming from a place of law and politics. Yeah. Uh, what I you know I'm very interested in in the political uh, climate right now. What's going on? And I know that our listeners are also very interested. What do you see for Kentucky? Well, here's what I see for Kentucky. Um, it's a big state. Uh, big it, state it, in it, the, it's, in it's an important state. Um, huge. And as I've told my colleagues, even with the 
the sea change that that took place in the governor's race uh, uh, almost two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone should say Kentucky is a blue state. Kentucky is still very much a red state. Okay. Because if you look at the other races on the on on the, the ballot that same day, the uh, the that what we call the down ticket races, Attorney General, Secretary of State, etc. All of those went Republican. Okay. And they went Republican by significant margins. Uh, and our legislature is, is still Republican. Both houses have super majorities right. in the Senate and the House. Right. So Kentucky's by far not, uh, not a blue. not not a, not a blue state. But having said all that, um, uh, I think you have seen that you know if you run good candidates and you get a good message yep. and you run a good race, that Democrats can win in Kentucky. Um, and so I think that's the that's the the encouraging takeaway from this last election. Gotcha. Um, and and I think what you'll see next year is, is Democrats continue to do well in the state. Now we've got a very important election, as you know. Yes. Next year with, with Mitch McConnell being on the ballot. And Ms. McGrath. Uh, yeah. And, and well, uh, yeah, her and wh whoever else will run. I mean, right. We're, we're, we're not sure that it's, it's it's uncertain that there won't be other candidates to get in the race. I think particularly now that they've seen that we have a Democratic governor. Right. Right. Uh, but whoever that nominee is, I'm going to support, whether it's, it's Colonel McGrath, who I ran against two years ago when I ran for Congress. And, 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 and Amy's an excellent person. Okay, She's a good. wonderful person. I, I like Amy. Good. Uh, and she, she, she would be a good candidate. Yep. Um, but whoever the nominee is, you know, I'm going to support man. them because we, we have to beat McConnell. And then I will say that on the air. I mean, yeah. Mitch McConnell. We want you to beat McConnell. You know, we have, well, Mitch McConnell. Uh, I at, have at, donated to Ms. McGrath's <laughs> fund. Well, 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 <laughs> I've well, given good. her some cold, hard cash. Well, 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 she, well she, she appreciates that. Uh, but but Mitch McConnell, and, and the way he's, uh, 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 what, what he's done for Kentucky and what he's done for this nation, I, I think 36 years is long enough. And, Me too. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly going to be out there. We say thank you, uh, Mitch, but. But sit down. <laughs> working, for, work, working for the Democratic candidate and the party and, and, and working right. to beat Mitch McConnell. And I think we should stop. I think we should end on that note. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's a good note to end. It is. Well, well, well thank you for, for having me here. I, I hope I've uh, uh, been, been helpful to you and very, to your listeners. And, and I'm, I'm glad you're here uh, at this North American Entertainment Law Center. Yes, and I want to ask you, too, if people want to find you in Kentucky and they want to see what you're up to and what you're, what you're doing for your constituents, where can they find you? Well, I can easily be reached uh, at the Legislative Research Commission. My, my number is area code 502-564-8100. And then just ask for State Senator Reginald Thomas. You are magnificent. <laughs> well, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy talking to you. This has been a been a, a you wonderful are interview terrific well, well, well thank you very much and, and so are you i, I mean you're, i'm gonna be watching you <laughs> well, i can't wait well, 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 well thank you very much and on on a handshake next <laughs> time i come through lexington kentucky please stop and see me i'm gonna I'm, 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 gonna give, I'm gonna give you my cell phone number once we end this interview and i'm not uh, gonna put that on the website you, folks. You, well no, no please it's don't do that there. but you <laughs> gave you the number okay. so it's all good well, that's why i gave you my office number. i know that's that's good that's good that's more than we had when we started and that's such a good reach <laughs> appreciate right. it well, well sure thing and, and and my my constituents will tell you that that i return every phone call i respond to every email because, because i take my work very seriously senator thank you for being in service you're, you're more than welcome we're girls on film and we are out <laughs>